Well, the president uh, really took into uh, cognizance mm. the fact that the world is changing. The world had already started changing because of the pandemic and how it affected all of us, how it affected uh, relations, how it affected economies, it affected trade, and so on and so forth. And whilst we're dealing with that, and then the war in Ukraine, which has in a very dramatic way changed the way we do business, even for us as diplomats. So the question was, how do we take South Africa forward in the context of what is happening, the, the, the change that is happening in the global world? So as diplomats were called upon, even as we discuss, I mean, we're going to make several presentations, mm. and those presentations must focus on that. How are we going to adapt to this changing world? What is it that we need to do differently? How do we promote our international relations in a world that is fractured, basically? Because as South Africa, as you know, we don't take sides on the world. We, we, we stand on the side of, of truth and peace and negotiation and so on. But most of the countries that we, we relate to are now on opposite sides. Mm. And uh, how do we continue uh, to interact with them without being classified as falling under this region or under this uh, interest and so on. So that's a challenge. These are the things that we're going to be discussing and debating. Mm. Now, we, we're talking to you at the time where countries are emerging from COVID, and I think now it will be now the, the refocusing on how do we then make sure that the economies are, uh, are up and running as well. No, I, I think we... Uh, there are a number of things that we can learn from the way Brazil has, has dealt with the, the pandemic. And of course, there are others that we don't have to copy. But the reality is that, I mean, Brazil was hit even more than us in mm. South Africa. I mean, it was devastating. Uh, I mean, so many people were dying per day in Brazil. We never reached that level. Uh, but Brazilians were able to adapt very quickly. Um, and you see in Brazil, they've got a federal state. So the governors in different states uh, have got the autonomy. Mm. Uh, so they were able to go out and mobilize the vaccines and mobilize the funds and so on. But more crucially, which I think was a difference between us and Brazil and why Brazil was able to overtake us mm. and vaccinate more people than we did even now. You know, in Brazil... Uh, nationally, uh, more than 70% of the people are now vaccinated. Uh, in the big cities like Sao Paulo, Rio, more than 90% of the people are vaccinated. In fact, those cities now have done away with the mask. You mm. know, So the crucial thing that happened, and, and, and people in South Africa used to ask me, how do they do it? You know, in Brazil, they facilitated the access of people to vaccination. In other words, uh, they'll set up drive-ins all over town. So you could just drive in. They make it easy. To make it easy, you produce your ID, they register it, they vaccinate you, you go. When the time for the second uh, uh, dose comes in, 
It's the same thing. You go there, you produce your ID, they check you, all right, you're vaccinated first time, all right, this is your second one, they vaccinate you. Mm. So people used to just walk there. You know, they, I think part of the problem that we had in South Africa, they, they, there was a, a lot of uh, red tape about this thing. The bookings, they have to send you an SMS, they have to what, mm. and all those, all those kind of things. Mm. In Brazil, they didn't have that. They make it made it easy for people to access that. So they were able to ramp up the numbers very quickly. Mm. Mm, that's quite important. I think yeah. important, listen, make it easier for people to access yeah. the service as well, mm. which I think are key lessons. Mm. Let's, let's for, First and foremost, let's deal now with uh, major political issues happening. Um, one, in terms of our relations with Brazil. Relations uh, between our two countries are good. Okay. Um, uh, but also, as uh, as you know, we also belong to other forums like BRICS, like IPSA, um, and uh, which also make us interact from time to time. Yeah. And our relations, uh, I mean, we engage at the relations of the Joint Commission, which is headed by the two foreign ministers. Mm. Um, well, I mean, COVID has had a lot also to do with the fact that we have not had that uh, joint commission for for more than two years now, okay. uh, because of uh, travel bans and so on and so forth, yeah. and the, the flights are not there. But relations are, are, are really we are cooperating at many levels. We are cooperating at the political level in international fora. Uh, we co- co- uh, cooperate at the academic level. You see, for instance, uh, only. Uh, only last month, the our national school of government of government in South Africa, mm. and another institution which is uh, has got a similar capacity in Brazil, have just signed a memorandum of understanding, and they are going to be exchanging uh, academics, uh, researchers, and so on, and, and even students. Mm. That's that's just another level, and economically. I mean, you've got a number of South African companies n- now investing in Brazil, especially in the mining sector. Okay. I mean, towards the end of last year, when the COVID thing w- became uh, more manageable, I, I actually traveled for the first time to two uh, different uh, states in Brazil, Bahia and another was Generous, Generous Menas, yeah. which is a, a mining, really a big mining uh, 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 state. And it was interesting to know that there are so many South African companies in the mining area and the companies that support the mining production that are actually operating um, in Brazil. Mm. So we've got that kind of interaction, political level, economic level, and uh, of course we're working to improve those relations. Mm. The, the the improvement of our relations is is is, on, is ongoing now. Let's let's talk about um, the fact that um, South Africa has been very instrumental when it comes to uh, vaccine, and President Ramaphosa has been leading the campaign as far as uh, um, vaccine access is concerned, not only for South Africa but in the continent as well, and. Um, People are talking about we should use those connections in BRICS in order to benefit us. Oh. It, it makes a, a big impact. Of course, all of us, I mean, it, during the time of pandemic, we're mm. scrambling to get the vaccines. Yeah, true. I true. mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> Brazil was in a worse situation yeah. than us during mm. that time. Uh, we were also trying to 
to to get the vaccines. But the BRICS Bank actually came to the party, mm. uh, and they financed uh, a lot of those acquisitions of of vaccine and and the, and the related equipment. Mm. So belonging to BRICS and that bank, because as you know that uh, the disbursement disbursement of funds there is something that is regulated within. Mm. The, the status of the bank itself, mm-hmm. but in South Africa got got um, um, a, a lot a lot of money to support our own vaccine vaccine acquisition. Mm-hmm. So it, it it helps to belong to the bank because then we get priority when there's got to be money that is dispersed for particular purposes. Mm, that's quite important. I mean, for you, um, I know that uh, priorities now would, would have been economy, but is there something that you're passionate about? What you have seen uh, a particular area where a South African listening to you right now say, I'm a business person. I'm looking for opportunities elsewhere. What are Brazil interested in as far as South Africa is concerned? Is it art? Is it our arts? Is it our culture? Is it what, what is it that uh, me as a South African, I'll be thinking, I need to venture into that market? You know, I, I said um, uh, last year, towards the end of the year, I visited uh, two states. One of the states I visited uh, is called Bahia. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the capital of that state is Salvador. Now, there, the people who are there more than 70% of the people who are there are black in Brazil. Like as in African, yeah. Yeah, are black people because that's one of the first areas. In fact, when the Portuguese colonized Brazil, they landed in Salvador, mm. in Bahia. That's where they landed. And so that that uh, that uh, that uh, state became the entry point for the slaves that were coming in into Brazil. Now, we visited them. Um, uh, last year, I mean, we got great reception because they really love South Africa mm. and they love the African continent. And we discussed a number of things uh, which they want us to promote together. One of them, as you know, Brazil is famous for the carnival, mm. and uh, the black people are in the forefront of of promoting the carnival. In fact. The, the main people that you see in those carnivals are black people. Mm. The, they, we discussed, among other things, that, you know, this carnival is Brazilian carnival. Uh, but is, is there a way that during the time, because the carnival, it becomes a festival of music and dance and everything, that we can actually invite South African artists mm. during that time to come and perform alongside the festival, as, it, as, as the carnival as it happens. So as to promote not just people-to-people relations, but also the promotion of the culture of the two countries. Mm. And that can be commercialized. Mm. I mean, because people, artists won't come for free, it will have to be sponsored. We get companies to sponsor those things. And, and vice versa, when we've got our own festivals uh, in South Africa, we can actually invite Brazilian artists to go and perform in South African festivals mm. and commercialize that mm. content. I mean, you'll have companies that can sponsor that because they want to promote themselves. Mm. But on our side, we also benefit in promoting tourism, in promoting people to people. I mean, for instance, um, uh, Black Coffee has been performing in Brazil for the past month now. Mm. 
he has performed in four different venues, uh, and it was always packed, you know. As a headline. Uh, yeah, as a headline artist, you know. So th- there are many South African artists that can be promoted in that. They wanted uh, Zikote, Nomkabo Zikote, yes. to come. Uh, again, uh, those are the DJs that promote uh, music. Mm. So this is just one niche that people don't think about. So that it's not just the investment in mining and mm. so on. Mm. But also we're, co- we're, tr- we're trying to find a way of promoting more of South African wines. Okay. You know, the market in Brazil is a bit difficult uh, for South African wines because of uh, the Mekasu. Uh, the 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 is uh, the organization of of uh, Latin Latin American countries uh, for economic cooperation, oh, okay. and and in we've got our uh, Southern African cu- customs mm-hmm. union yeah. SACU, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now Mekasu tries to protect their market because mm-hmm. you know countries like Chile, Argentina, they also produce wine. They also produce good wine. Mm. For South Africa to break into that market of Brazil, mm. you have to find very innovative ways of breaking into that. So we're inviting the the wholesale uh, uh, owners in, in Brazil and the people who trade in wine to visit South Africa. We're exposing them to South African wine in order to promote South African wine. Mm. So there is a market there that we can actually ramp that one up because many of them don't know about the quality of South African wine. Mm. Once they taste it, then they say, ah, there's something here, you know. So for those who can afford to pay, they'll pay for a quality wine, for a good wine. Mm. So uh, there there are a lot of of areas of, of interest. It's quite interesting because uh, we were recently in Norway and uh, and Sweden. So I was speaking to you earlier, and there was yeah. just a, a big appetite of South African uh, wine, wine as well, yes. and, and it's no surprise. And I think it's one of of, of those areas we must exploit really, because yeah. you did say once you taste South yeah, Africa, well, yeah. you don't want to let go. I think yeah. it's quite important as well. And we're even telling them that you know, outside wine, mm. you see, in, in Brazil, you don't find ciders. You know how popular ah, ciders are in South Africa? Very And much. we produce them. If you talk about Savannah Dry, for instance, mm. if you can introduce Savannah Dry mm. in Brazil, mm. I mean, <laughs> you're <laughs> going to make a kill because it's just such a special taste. Mm. And uh, it's produced here in South Africa. So one of the ways we were trying to introduce is that, which is something that I saw also in, in Egypt, you know, in order to beat the issue of the tariffs mm. and to make your product like wine more competitive or your site are more competitive. Mm. Like for instance in Egypt, they'll import South African uh, grapes yeah. into Egypt mm. and then they build a factory there. Mm-hmm. So they produce the wine in Egypt. More using our yeah. product. Yeah. yeah, in that way it becomes cheaper and more competitive. So you can compete with the Chileans, you can compete with the Argentinians, if you can import South African wine and produce it there, mm. um, and then it will be affordable, mm. you know, and it, yet it is quality wine. Mm. Yeah, and th- those are the areas where relationships I- are cemented in and a way. It's true, mm. yeah. So mm. we, we are looking at all those options. Mm. 
Uh, as, a, as an embassy, you do have um, uh, programs and you know, use your open days to in order to sell South Africans products as well. But yeah. in terms of showing them what what we have as well, no, we do, um, and they've got their own uh, uh, exhibition okay. shows mm-hmm. where they invite other countries to come and exhibit. So we are using that, uh, of course, through DTIC. Mm. Uh, they are the ones that uh, help to facilitate the participation of South Africa in those fairs and and so on and so forth. So we do that and put forward South African uh, wine and other products. That's quite important. Let's talk about your diplomatic journey. Um, it's it's been quite a, a rewarding rewarding as in we are we are able to track your progress in terms of who you've been to, to this country and we are seeing a lot of benefit for us um, in your uh, deployment in various countries as well. L- uh, in terms of le- getting to full-time diplomacy, where did it start? Oh, well, I started in... Because the political history is quite long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and rewarding. So uh, me, after having read your book, I'm just thinking I must <laughs> not start right at the, at, at the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I... Yeah, you don't know where to start. I, yeah. don't, I don't know where to start because it's a long history. Of course, there's a political history. Yeah, I have yeah. got a stint in the private sector. Yeah. And then I was called back by government again to yes. come back into government. Let's start there. Yes, <laughs> to come back into government. Mm. And then uh, I spent a year as Director General in, in President Zuma's his office. Yeah. Uh, and then after a year, I was deployed in Zimbabwe yeah. uh, as a diplomat there. And, uh, and one of the motivations of President Zuma at the time, South Africa was facilitating negotiations mm. in Zimbabwe mm. and uh, uh, he needed somebody uh, with a political clout and a military background to be based in Zimbabwe because uh, Zimbabwe is a very tricky country. You know, you've got a country which is governed by people who have been liberation in the liberation struggle yeah. and they're very proud of that. Mm. You've got people who are in the military war yeah. in Zimbabwe. They're very proud of their military yeah. history yeah. and so on and yeah. so forth. So as a facilitator, you needed to get somebody they're going to respect mm-hmm. or they're going to see themselves in this Through person yeah. to say, oh, this guy has got the same experience as us. Mm-hmm. All right, we can listen to him yeah. because he knows what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know. So that was the motivation because at the time, actually, uh, the president had told... Uh, the, the the late uh, may his soul rest in peace uh, Reverend Stofile that was going to be ambassador there but when they discussed this thing they said eh, you know uh, Stofile doesn't have the military background yeah. it doesn't yeah. have um, the background in the, the the liberation movement in that sense of being in exile and yeah. fighting yeah. Yeah. these people are going to undermine him they yeah. won't listen to him. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went. Then I ended up spending five years there. Mm. From there... Uh, Let's talk about that five years. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, what did you feel was... Because it talks about the stature of South Africa. Could have been any other country. Yes, yes. Um, at that time, 
you felt that South Africa is one country which can speak with a voice because it's got a shared experience with a certain country. And they know yeah. where we, we stand as far as yeah. negotiation settlement. And it's yes. the same message we're preaching also in yeah. the situation in Ukraine. No, it's Take true. me to, uh, to that five years experience in Zimbabwe. To s and then looking at where the, the country it is right now. Because I'm sure you look back and say um, there are things we could have done better. There are things that uh, are still ongoing challenges within the country that South Africa can even still continue to to engage um, with ZANU and all the parties concerned as well. In fact, it's more than five years. Uh, <laughs> let, let me tell you, yeah. because before President Zuma, it was President Mbeg, he was facilitating yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, so he also spent a lot of time. Mm. And when he was facilitating there, I was... Part of the time I was actually in his office, yeah, uh, as 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 uh, advisor on security and intelligence matters, and then of course I moved to near National Intelligence Agency, yeah, and he continued to be engaged with the issue of Zimbabwe. Mm. So when President Zuma took over from uh, President Mbegi, he continued what Mbegi had tried to do and had not finished mm. you know mm. Mm. Uh, so when when he took over it was actually South Africa taking over because they had assigned the task to South Africa yeah so that's yeah. why they were not giving it to somebody else mm. so because the issue was still there so President Zuma had to take over and had to get um, a team of advisors that, uh, led by Charles Nagula and Mac Maharaj and Lindu Ezulu to go to Zimbabwe and my role mm. as the ambassador there mm. was to convene the different political parties to meet with the facilitators from South Africa. So I would convene those meetings, I would organize those meetings um, and uh, I would sit in the negotiations as they talk to mm. them and so on. Mm. So I was basically the man on the ground mm. uh, in Zimbabwe was interacting with with the different political parties, but of course, issue of Zimbabwe is not is not an easy one. Yeah, it's not. It's very difficult. That's why, uh, I mean, Zimbabweans uh, might say they are over the hurdle now, you know. But there are many ways in which they are still not over the hurdle, mm. because the sanctions against Zimbabwe still remain. Yeah. It's still our responsibility to help Zimbabwe and remove those sanctions. Uh, because that's one of the things that is really killing them because there's no investment mm. coming into the country or there's very little investment coming into the country. The sanctions also restrict them from doing fr the country from doing business. And it restricts the leadership of the country from doing business uh, in other countries. Mm. And that is really affecting them. So as, as SADAC, as South Africa, we still have the responsibility to help them. And in, in, in turn, it's Zimbabweans um, on the ground who suffers and then South Africa will have to bear the brunt of, you know. Um, of course, we've mm. got so many Zimbabweans in this country mm. because of the situation in Zimbabwe. You know, the economic situation is not getting better. It's not getting better because the, that regime of sanctions still remains. Mm. Uh, Zimbabwe still can't freely trade around the world and so on and so forth. Um, there's still contestation between the political parties in the yeah. country, so yeah. there's no cooperation. Uh, so there's no there's no common vision for the country mm. because the political parties are so fragmented. You know they're at each other's throat. 
so it's it's a problem. And then, as of course, as you say, and then you've got so many Zimbabweans uh, uh, coming over to South Africa legally and illegally, and then that in itself creates problems for our own infrastructure. Yeah. It creates problems for our own ability to to service our own people. Yeah. Because we've got so many people who come here, they don't have jobs, mm. and they're not. Some of them are not even legal, and mm. and and if some of these people can't survive, then they resort to crime. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we've got our own crime, but then when we've got an addition of other million people who actually don't have jobs and, and they they are trying to survive in a foreign country, how do they survive? Mm. Then they look for shortcuts, yeah. Yeah, and, and then it creates it. A bigger problem. A bigger problem indeed. Yeah. From Zimbabwe. You see where I want yeah. to 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 yeah, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. all these issues which, which are important as well yeah. of immigration, but also making sure that we help our neighbors as well. Yes. Yes. From Zimbabwe, um deployment as an ambassador, then um moving now, coming back. Um talk to me about your next deployment. It was Egypt. Yeah. Uh, I went to to, Ka- the, to Cairo. Yeah. Yeah, as uh, as the ambassador again, um, and uh, Cairo is is not a again is not an easy. They uh, always give you uh, these yeah. difficult missions. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Why is that? <laughs> it's true. You know, talk I, about your capabilities. Yeah, you know, I I went uh, uh, to Egypt. I mean. Um, uh, a few months after the Arab Spring. You know, and uh, so the country was still on tenterhooks um, as to whether it's going to stabilize and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, so it it was also a difficult time, but also it, it, it's it, it has been a difficult time for South Africa in building very strong economic relations with Egypt. And there are many factors for that. And, and I saw it for myself in the five years I was there. Uh, you know, if you talk to uh, South African business people and you tell them about opportunities in Egypt, mm. they'll cite a number of issues that are a problem for them. Okay. They'll say, Ambassador, the language is a problem. Okay. They'll say, um, Ambassador, the culture in the country is different from ours. Mm. They'll say the regulatory environment is is different, it's not friendly for us. They'll say the distance from South Africa today is also a challenge. Mm. Um, Moving goods from one country. Yeah, and as I say, I went there immediately after the Arab Spring, Mm. and they will say, we're not sure about the political stability. There might be another Arab Spring, you know, because in Egypt, that's one of the countries where the so-called Arab Spring didn't didn't go all its course, mm. uh, so to say, like you saw in Tunisia yeah. and so on and so. Mm. So they say hey, we're not sure. Perhaps uh, that country can still be unstable. Mm. So how can we put our money there? You mm. know, we don't want to put our money. In there. So that's a big obstacle in terms of investment. Mm. Even now, we have not managed to to break that barrier of distrust and so on and so forth. But you see, what makes things worse is that um, uh, Egypt, in as much as it belongs to the, it is it's, it's part of the AU. Yeah. 
It is also part of the Arab League. Yeah. And now the positions of the Arab League and the AU in international fora is not always reconciled. Mm. AU will take a resolution on how we approach the world, the UN and so on. The Arab League will take that different position. Now, now in the situation in the Middle East, uh, in, in, yeah. in, in, in key Middle East issues. Yeah. So now if you are Egypt, we are in the middle, we are torn between the two. Mm. So in most of the cases, Egypt will go with the Arab League. The reason being the the bulk of their investments mm. comes from the Middle East. Wow. Countries like Saudi Arabia, UAE, and so on and so forth. There is no investment in Egypt coming from the African continent, mm. if you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, as they say, uh, uh, you know, it's the economic determinant that is more important. Mm. Who's going to create jobs? Who's going to put money? in investment who's going to you know so the, egypt the, the key issue of national interest yeah national exactly national interest. so egypt will tend to go with arab league now the investment from those countries also dominates the economy so if you are talking about you go into um, a supermarket in 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 egypt mm. you won't find even a single south african item on the shelves mm. you know they're mainly from Europe, the Arab world, and so on and so forth. And they protect, they protect that market, you know. Uh, and when we discuss with them, they'll, they'll tell us, uh, no, Ambassador, but you, South Africa, is dominant in sub-Saharan Africa and Southern Africa. Your products. Uh, your products are all over. Everybody's buying your products. Right? Now, this side, you know, we can't, we can't go and break into that market because you dominate it. Mm. You know, so, but this one is dominated by the Arab countries and, and so on and so forth. So there's that thing of mm. reluctance. They mm. say, no, if we try and get into your country, we'll also find a problem because we are dominating <laughs> that market. You know, you know I'll tell you, I'll tell yeah, you, I'll tell yeah, you an example. Yeah. I played golf with a guy, the CEO of a big uh, supermarket chain mm. in Egypt mm. um, and we agreed to meet and discuss because I was raising with him exactly in your supermarkets I never find any South African product we want to import we've got a lot of things that you people need mm. which can sell let's meet and discuss you know the guy gives me his card I give him his card I try and call him after that so it will mean the guy literally ran away way. from me because he doesn't want to discuss that mm. issue. You know. So it's it, you it's felt a, he doesn't yeah, want. Yeah, no, it was Close. clear. Mm. That the guy no, 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 right, Ambassador, no, it's fine. He doesn't want to discuss the issue mm. because they're not interested in getting South African products into mm. their supermarkets. They are happy with that because of this monopoly. Mm. You know, the the companies that supply them. Yeah. Don't want competition from somewhere else. Why would they openly yeah. want pro Yeah. Exactly. If you open for South Africa, yeah, South Africa will find that South African products are better than ours and then we'll be in trouble. Mm. <laughs> ah, yeah. Ambassador, this, this so, is quite an important lesson. Yeah. Uh, and, and politically, us and Egypt, where we, where, where we were. Um, no, 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 politically, politically we were good. Mm. I mean, um, uh, 
the relations are good. Uh, I would say we're cooperating, we're talking, but of course we've got different interests in two different parts of the world yeah. on other issues. Would mm-hmm. not agree necessarily, yeah. but on the overall, we all mm-hmm. understand we belong uh, here. Mm-hmm. We've got interest as the developing countries, so on issues of the UN and so on, we'll agree, mm. but not on everything necessarily. Uh, y- which, which is understandable. Yeah. Ambassador, let, let's conclude by your, your daily work now in Brazil. Yes. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a country with great football history, you yes. know, and uh, I'm, I'm just envious in terms of the soccer matches you, you, and the stars used to, you will be watching, you know, on a week, on, on the weekend when you do have, uh, I'm no, even if it's yes. a soccer game, you are working because you'll, yeah. be, you'll be watching with, uh, yeah. uh, invited by, by ambassadors, um, resident ambassadors as well. Yeah. I want to, to, to find out, because we, we all, we have young people listen to program, our, our yeah. programs as well, want to find out the, the world of diplomacy, what it's yes. all about as well. On a daily basis, what sort of things that occupies you? You know, you wake up, you know, are you signing deals? Are you signing, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we want to find out more about what is happening on a, on a daily basis in the embassy and in your diary. No, you see the the advantage of being an ambassador mm. uh, like me. <laughs> like you. <laughs> yeah, is that, you see, when you've got a very strong team of colleagues yeah. in the mission, mm. Uh, that work under you. Is that as ambassador, you don't run around a lot. Mm. You know, they generate the work for you. Mm. Yeah, because they are the ones who generate the work for you. They tell you, ambassador, you go there now. You have to meet this one. So mm. so as ambassador, you, do, you deal with the strategic issues yeah. of the mission. You know, if you are in a mission and you're an ambassador and you don't have a good supporting staff, yeah. you end up dealing with the detail and even the the corporate services issues. You have to follow up. You have to do that. You have to draft your own uh, documents. You have to draft your own speeches. You have to... I don't have that problem because I've got a very good uh, supporting staff. Mm. So I concentrate on strategic things. Mm. So mm. Uh, meeting other ambassadors, uh, having interviews, uh, going to visit different states or going to visit different companies yeah. and so on. Yeah. So yeah. that's the kind of the, the program mm. that I have. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really those strategic things. But of course, I, I love, I love uh, sports. Mm, in general mm, mm, uh, mm. but you know because of COVID yeah. we, we couldn't attend uh, football matches yeah, but yeah. Uh, they, they have adopted Flamengo as my team ah. in in, uh, in Brazil okay it's very good mm. yeah uh, so I watch their, so their, their, their matches on TV mm. so far but the time will come when I'll go to the stadium also uh, on a Saturday or Sunday mm. and uh, and go and watch the matches live. Yeah. What do you tell them about South Africa when you meet Brazilians? When you meet ordinary bla- Brazilians, what do you tell them about South Africa? No, you know, when you meet you meet uh, ordinary Brazilians, they ask you, hey, so where do you come from? Okay. In South Africa? Uh, oh, just, no, just In Brazil, when you meet them, they ask mm. you, where do you come from? Mm. They ask me. Yeah. They ask me, where do you come from? I'll say South Africa. Almost all of them will say Mandela. Oh, Mandela? Mandela? That's what they know about South Africa. And then secondly, if you get the more enlightened one, Mm. then they'll say, your country is so beautiful. Mm. You know, your country. Even those who have not been there, Mm. they've heard, they say, 
I want to go to and visit South Africa. You know, once this uh, pandemic is over, once, you know, that's why just before the pandemic struck, the tourism numbers out of Brazil to South Africa were rising rapidly. Mm. Rapidly, because one of the things that uh, has helped us is when uh, the Department of Tourism contracted a Brazilian company, a communication company, that is marketing uh, mm. South Africa in, 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 in Brazil. Brazil. And when that happened, the numbers just shot up. There was a direct link there. Yeah, direct link because they really market South Africa and mm. it, it really helped because, you know, Brazil is a huge country. Yeah. You know, we are talking about 230-something million uh, people you know, yeah. and even geographically, I mean, uh, Brazil is, you know, the whole of Southern Africa. That's one country. No, no. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it's very huge. So for us, in the mission, we're few. Mm. We have got limited resources. Yeah. You know, yeah. we can't reach the entirety of the country. Yeah. So if you have a, a Brazilian company that knows the country, has got networks in the country that market South Africa, it helps a great deal. Mm. Ah, that's quite important. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of companies will definitely approach. So, you know, we want to um, penetrate the market as well. Mm. And um, the, the, the country is quite strategic for South Africa. South Africa will be chairing BRICS next year. Yes. And um, are you looking forward to that? Oh, we're looking forward to sharing. In fact, yeah, it's, it's going to be quite interesting. We're taking over from China. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean... China was chair at the height of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the things that could have been done. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the onus now falls on us to really start running again with yeah. all these uh, yeah. projects. As, but of course, it, it also depends on other things. One of them being the war in Ukraine, mm. which direction it is going to take, yeah. because it has yeah. also affected the way BRICS works. Mm. Because you've got China is in one way indirectly involved in that thing. You've mm. got Russia directly involved in that thing. You've got India indirectly mm. involved in that thing. So, I mean, two big uh, countries in BRICS are almost at the center of what is happening in mm. Ukraine. Mm. Uh, because India has decided really on many issues to take the side of Russia. Mm. Uh, so that in itself, I mean, it it means the BRICS is actually now, BRICS, I mean, China is also in a way, though it's playing neutral, mm. but in a way it's very sympathetic to the position mm. of Russia. So you've got three big BRICS countries, mm. in a way, somehow, directly and indirectly, uh, getting affected by the Ukraine. So mm. that might affect the way uh, uh, BRICS is going to conduct its business next year. We don't know. Mm, yeah. You know, politics might actually triumph the, the you yeah, know, economic yeah. discussions, including COVID and all. And, and now there's, as you know, there's no now negotiations about whether are we going to get a new financial system yeah. that is different from the Western system? Yeah. How is that going to affect yeah, yeah. BRICS? How is that going to affect the BRICS bank and so on and so forth? Yeah. So I think we're going we're, we're going into uh, interesting times. Yeah, and yeah. the terrain as well. Yeah. Very important. No, thank terrain. you very much. Really a pleasure. There we yeah. go. Our conversation so. uh, with Ambassador Smagwin Vela. He's our ambassador in Brazil. You're on Ubuntu Radio, South Africa's Public Diplomacy in Action. <laughs>